All right, welcome everybody back to Cloud and Clear. Super excited to have one of our amazing GCP customers, Kiana, on today's podcast. And today I have the top two executives on. I have Nader Fati, who's the CEO of Kiana, and I have Sebastian Andriata, the COO of Kiana. Welcome both of you to Cloud and Clear. Thank you, Tony. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to have you. It's been a few months when we're working together, and it's been a very challenging year, I would say. We met sort of uh, you know, in the midst of all this COVID challenges for both of our companies and the industry as a whole, um, we seem to be coming out of it. Uh, we were just talking about before we started about how optimistic we are about what the future holds. But your platform is is um, so completely relevant to to the way that organizations have to operate now, and we can't wait to hear more about that. But before we do. Uh, maybe we start with uh, Sebastian first. Please tell us about kind of your career trajectory and how you came to be the CEO of uh, Kiana. Oh man, so um, I'll, I'll try to make it very, very brief. So I, I, um, I have a degree in physics. So I started out in my career doing a lot of things around um, satellite communications for navigation systems and stuff like that. And, and that eventually morphed into networking communications. So I spent pretty much the bulk of my career in um, networking, networks, uh, all the way from early packets to voice, video, and data. Um, and uh, in the last 20 years or so, I've been working on a series of startups around networking and around big data. Um, and um, I was connected, and Nader will fill this in his part of it, I was connected through uh, an old friend who was working at a, at, a, at a network company about looking at how do we use things that they already had in place, their own network equipment, to improve uh, services for, um, for mobile users in that space, right? Nader will fill in his piece, but that's kind of how it started, and that's where the introduction happened. Um, and I don't want to take away his thunder because I think he tells it better, the origin story, but uh, but I'll pass it on to I Nader. love the Stevens roots. We have several people at Stata who went to Stevens um, in New Jersey. It's a fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our head of the workspace practice, Nikki Persigian, who was French, actually, originally came here and did his master's at Stevens. And my favorite uh, uh, YouTuber, Mar Marquez Brown-Lee, is a Stevens guy, of course, and, you know. Oh, that's true. He's the guy who interviewed like Obama a couple of times and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that, he right? just did. Um, he just did uh, uh, Sundar as well, um, uh, just over Google I/O, which is fantastic. But you're also the co-founder, so you're not just the CEO. You're the co-founder, Sebastian. So you must have had a very special encounter with Nader. Who I'm going to pass it to you now uh, for the origin story of Kiana itself. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, so my background is uh, University of Southern California. I did my uh, BS Masters and PhD coursework at USC, and I'm actually uh, still on the computer science advisory of USC after I graduated. Uh, work in big companies. I started my career at Xerox in El Segundo. You know where that is, Tony. <laughs> and then moved very quickly to software. I was at the Cadence Design Systems. I was at the ICOS. And then we started a company called SigmaQuest, which eventually was bought by uh, Siemens. And uh, that company, we provided real-time visibilities to factories across the globe. It was a big data analytics company. So when we successfully exited that company, uh, we had a call from a big Wi-Fi company called Fortinet. And they said, hey, we have a lot of dark data. Can you guys help us? And we 
I never heard of a term dark data. Well, what is the dark data? And basically they told us, well, if you have any kind of Wi-Fi enabled device like your mobile phone, you are basically uh, sending uh, messages to the Wi-Fi access point. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're interested to uh, do something with that data. They didn't know what to do with it. So I reached out to uh, some of our existing team, uh, which is uh, outside of Germany. Actually, Kiana, half of us are in U.S., the other half are in Europe. Uh, one of our founders, Dr. Klaus Hagen, which is our VP of Engineering and our CTO, is based in outside of Munich. So we started Kiana initially working with uh, Fortinet, and since then, we extended it to all the B2B Wi-Fi companies, including Cisco, uh, HP Aruba, Extreme Networks, uh, Rockus, and so on and so forth. So that's how the company started. So what does Kiana do that's so unique in the space? I mean, I think, uh, again, at the time when it was all about uh, tracking this kind of data in the midst of COVID, I mean, it seemed like a completely direct application, but that was not the original concept right around like how do you deal with pandemics that came like later as a incidental uh uh outcome of what the world was going through but what was the original thought and um how did you how did you come up with this concept so originally what we do and by the way we still do that is that we digitize the workplace and workforce okay and how we do this is that we look at the signals from different sensors, which is already in a building. Okay, so the sensors, I did mention Wi-Fi, uh, but also other sensors you may have is Bluetooth, you may have cameras, you may have other devices like uh, 5G cell signals and so on and so forth. So really what we do, we build a platform which grabs this data, brings it to the cloud, and that's again where SADA and Google comes in. Not only we store the data, we, of course, crunch it really fast because you're talking about millions of nodes <laughs> across the globe that we are collecting data from. And then we have an AI analytics package, which really makes sense out of this. Our customers traditionally use this for people counting. Actually, when we started with Fortinet, one of their interests was counting people at shopping centers. How many people are in front of the Nike store versus how many people are going to the Starbucks, right? So you're counting really the ag uh, aggregated data of what the people are moving. But really what uh, made us different was that very quickly we found out that the people who own real estate and campuses, they're interested on site management. So site management, how many people are using conference room A versus conference room B? How many people are walking from conference room A to B? What's the capacity? What's the utilization and so on? Because remember, after people, the most expensive asset you have is real estate. So how do I utilize that, right? So when last April, April of uh, 2020, we all learned about COVID and contact tracing and so on, we said, well, hang on a second. We already have all this data. So for us, really, COVID was not uh, a pivot. It was an extension of what we do. And again, thanks to Gardner, Gardner uh, highlighted us as the top uh, vendor, uh, which is A, using the existing infrastructure. We are not really installing anything new. And then the second thing Gardner liked about us, which is really important, is privacy. And again, that's where, again, SADA and Google comes in. Because this data, remember, not only you're dealing with PII, personal identifying information, you're also, in some cases, dealing with patient data. HIPAA data, right? So being this data to be secure, being encrypted is really important. So that's what we uh, uh, introduced last April and it's been very successful since. So Sebastian, I mean, 
not requiring the installation of new trackers, whether it's Beacon or other things like that is a huge advantage of the platform, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, you know, so not to poo-poo the fact that when we first started nine years ago now, there was a whole bunch of, of, um, of competitors in this space. And I want to bring that up because a lot of those guys, in fact, all of them are gone. And the reason was because they all had their own hardware. So, you know, you can't, it's just not a business that you're going to have to go to an enterprise and tell them install more of these things. And it's all proprietary and it's all kind of, you know, closed. They, they require power or wiring or something. And it's, yeah, right. Unbelievable. Yeah. You got a police Ethernet, yeah. you got a, you know, anchor, and then you got a network management. So it doesn't work. So that from day one, we realized that it was very important to, to um, manage this, you know, with existing infrastructure, right? That was the first part. The second part was that we needed to be able to have additional ways to connect the stuff, additional sensors, whether it's cameras or other things. And that's where we started partnering with not just Wi-Fi manufacturers, but now camera manufacturers and others. So, and actually now Bluetooth and, and all of that has now um, g given us a leg up on being able to extend services into other places like asset management, like being able to do exposure notification, because in the end, it's a sensor, the sensor, the sensor to us. We're just crunching the data and providing that in a way that's meaningful to the end user. Yeah, Nada, your, your comment about privacy is, is so critical because I feel like for the last several years, we've been as an industry and an ecosystem and technology and cloud balancing the benefits of massive amounts of data with the risk and the critical importance of privacy. Every time somebody's privacy gets violated, I feel like it's such a huge step back into the art of the possible, whether you're talking about um, medical advances, if we could just get large enough data sets of anonymous data or huge efficiency in building, routing, logistics, uh, supplies, safety, if we could just ensure the anonymity of the uh, people that we're sort of tracking. like. It's such a difficult thing. How do you uh, prioritize it and how do you ensure um, uh, that that's maintained, that, that the trust is maintained? Sure. So um, as I mentioned, uh, not only our um, key R&D group is in Europe, we have some key customers in Europe as well. And the, the top two are in Germany and in Switzerland. As you know, I will say Germans and Swiss are much more concerned and they have been pushing the whole concept of privacy much longer. The than EU standards US, are right? just extremely high around this stuff. Correct. So, for example, we have been working with the Swiss railways uh, for the last two and a half years. And again, privacy was extremely important to them. Uh, you will see tomorrow it will be on the business wire, our partnership with Swisscom. So Swiss uh, uh, Telco is going to thank you. Is going to actually uh, uh, basically joint market or product and actually integrate with some of the data that they have as well. And plus being in Germany, right? So very early on, when we learned about GDPR, as you know, GDPR is the European data protection. We said, hey, we need to do this. And really what we did, we built our solution being privacy in the center. It was not an afterthought. So everything was built. So it's not something you can latch on later on and say, we also do privacy, right? So, so at the minimum, we really captured three basic things, which is the device ID, 
which is also known as the MAC ID, which actually it gets encrypted when it comes to us. We don't even have the real MAC ID. We see the location and the time. So in this case, there's no uh, personal identifier information. Now, in the case of HIPAA, you have to map which device belongs to whom, right? Because if, if Joe, for example, is sick, I need to know who was in contact with so I can ask those people to go, you know, stay home for the next 10 days or whatever the CDC guideline is. So in that case, the mapping of the devices, which is encrypted in us to the customer's actual name, happens within the customer four wall. We never see this data. And actually, when we ask our customers, what do you like about our, uh, you know, our solution? They ask three things. Again, we talk about the no additional hardware, use my existing infrastructure. The second one is this data encryption, data privacy things within my four wall. And then the last one, and again, it comes to you, Tony and the SADA team and the Google team is that they really love the fact that this is all cloud-based. They don't have to install any special hardware or software, right? So it's a plug and play type solution for them. Yeah, you know, if, if I could add something, that's actually really a critical point because the privacy thing isn't just a bolt-on, which a lot of what we've seen, especially on the COVID side, we've seen a lot of competitors try to, you know, kind of um, build a business around their existing stuff. But their existing stuff tends to be marketing, retail, things like that, which are, uh, you know, are go are opposite of privacy, right? Being able to do mass marketing is a whole different thing than doing complete privacy. So we really have built uh, this this privacy shell around all our services uh, from the from the ground up, and that's what what makes us pretty unique in that sense. So how do you um, differentiate in the analytics part, like the machine learning, AI, predictive modeling? Um, again, Google Cloud, I want to talk about as, as far as like why you ended up choosing Google Cloud versus any other uh, solution. But I think even like before that, um, there's something unique in your, in your modeling, right? That gives it sort of that secret sauce in terms of what you're able to provide in terms of value for your customers. So what's unique about the modeling? Well, so very early on when we started doing this, it became apparent that the industry was moving into a different direction as far as what to disclose regarding the device ID. So from a privacy perspective, what Apple started to do, and then Google uh, on Android and others, they started um, um, randomizing the Mac IDs themselves. Since then, they've gone through a couple of generations of methods on how do you randomize. And the whole point is to prevent you as an individual from being tracked from you know, from one place to another. So this whole idea of omni-channel marketing, meaning that they can follow you from your from the store to your home, that goes away, right? I mean, perhaps in China they can still do that, but not in the West. So, so that whole process, we've grown and and built a number of uh, techniques that we've patented over the years around doing that. And even now, that the industry is going into yet another direction, and we're moving with the industry in that direction so that we could be the first ones uh, out of the chute, so to speak, with uh, with a continued privacy-focused um, solution. Especially with iOS, right? I mean, they're really kind of leading with this do not track methodology. Android too, Android too. And the next thing they're doing, so now even the Mac IDs are, they're using actual randomized Mac IDs for different networks that people log into, right? So they're doing that. And then the next thing is gonna be uh, even even that will no longer be valuable. It'll, you'll have to have some sort of an association that you'll be a permission only 
to allow somebody to access your position information, right? So that's really the next step, and and that's really what we're building our our, uh, our never boring, around. never boring in, in our world, never boring. <laughs> so Nader, who do you feel like uh, as you see the future of the company, the biggest uh, types of customers? Like, what will be the biggest verticals for you in the next three years? So, uh, and we see this today. So, we really our uh, vision has been around what we call intelligent facility. And when you talk about intelligent facility, is much more. Do I have solar panels and LED lights, right? I mean, intelligent facilities number one needs to be healthy, right? So the people who are coming in, make sure they're healthy. You know, protect not only other employees but the business at the end of the day, right? Uh, the other one we talk about visitor management and asset management. That's a major issue in corporations and factories and so on. Uh, we also see power management. That's another area which is, you know, we are now consuming more and more power. And uh, not only this is bad for the environment, it also becomes very expensive, as you know. And last but not least, we talk about site management and security, right? So our vision is to really make the intelligent facility reality. Now, we have customers who come in with one need and very quickly they realize that, hey, we need to fill up this other gap. So I'll give you an example. We did, uh, and this is uh, uh, public information, we have been working with Dominican University, which is a university in Illinois. And this started using our solution to really protect their uh, students for digital contact tracing. And very quickly, they said, wow, we have all these different campuses and buildings, and we need, we need to be able to extend this solution to also manage uh, you know, our, our sites. And we're also talking to them now to manage their assets. So you see this concept of what we call intelligent facility is you know, anybody who has a facility. So we are really after corporation, corporate campuses, universities, factories, hospitals, those are really the top areas that we have been focusing yeah, on. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But I feel like almost that every building, every commercial building needs to become a smart facility in the future, not only because of uh, safety concerns, but all the other things you're talking about, like energy efficiency, just in time space. You know, we're going to get away from like one desk for every employee. Right. Like that's never coming back. Not never, but let's <clears throat> just say for the foreseeable future, it's not going to be a reality. There'll be very few fixed seats. So then the question becomes like, how big of an office space do you need? And how, when you anticipate outgrowing it, I think the data that your system provides can really help with that sort of planning as well. And we see this right now. I mean, even in Silicon Valley, we see companies are requesting people to go back. A group will, will work on Monday and Wednesday. Other guys are coming in maybe Thursday and Tuesday. I don't know. So, so that way, they want to be able to share the same space, right? So not only they have to know which area is available, which is site management, but also because of COVID. If somebody was sick and he was sitting in that cube, well, you know what? You may need to clean this before you let the next guy in, right? So those are all the data which they need to aggregate and make, make sense of. Yeah, we try to tell people that, hey, you know, just, I mean, a smart building, smart building 1.0 was all about access controls and turning lights on and air conditioning, right? And that's, a, that's at a very kind of gross level, right? But a smart building, I think the new generation of smart buildings has to also keep primarily the employees healthy, right? And that's actually the next thing. And not just healthy in terms of what's, you know, the environment, but also uh, risk management, you know, are you too close to things that might be dangerous? Are you using equipment that you're not trained on so that you can have, are you, is, is your training allowed, you know, allowing you to, to step into this room or use this equipment? 
So that sort of stuff is more granular, but I think it's really kind of what the next step is in a smart building and frankly, a smart campus. Right? By the way, I think some of the habits that we've formed, uh, for example, flu levels are way down, right? And part of the reason flu levels are down because people have been distancing, they've been wearing masks, they've been, you know, it's like, well, some of those habits are actually pretty good habits. So how do we keep the next infection rate down for whatever the next season of the flu, which has a huge productivity, you know, impact or the next whatever, right? The thing that might spread. So uh, I could see hopefully those habits and those platforms living beyond or like this one time use. OK, well, you know, it's going to be another hundred years before this happens. Actually, no, we should probably live in a way that practices safety on a more institutional level in all of our buildings, in all of our locations, right? You're absolutely right. In fact, you know, people think that it was the Spanish flu, but it's not. In our own lifetimes, in the last 15 years, we've seen SARS, MERS, Ebola, you know, Legionnaire's disease has been out there for decades. So in the southern states, they're getting West Nile and all these things that they don't always kill you, but there are people who are pregnant, people who are, have autoimmune diseases that are, these are employees, right? So being able to give them um, some some uh, some ownership to how how to manage their own health by knowing that hey this room somebody was infected in there or that room you know maybe it should be off limits to me because I've got an autoimmune disease right so those are the sorts of things that get more uh, uh, that assist the employees overall totally. right in time. Well, let's talk about uh, GCP a little bit then. Uh, we know that you've gone uh, big into this platform as the platform of choice to grow your own uh, um, enterprise. And we'd love to share with the audience what led to that decision. And now that we've been working together for, for, for quite some time, what has been the impact um, in, in partnering with, with GCP? So let me let me take a shot at this, and then Sebastian, you can add to it. So first of all, in our previous company that Siemens bought, uh, we use another cloud. And uh, when we started uh, Kiana, we did a benchmark. And one of the big issue we have is that not only we are doing a lot of read, we also have to do a lot of analysis, right? And this very quickly make other platforms, other cloud platforms, very expensive. That was number one. The second thing which was very interesting for us is what Google Cloud offers, the BigQuery. BigQuery is perfect for the type of application that we are dealing with, right? Which was not offered in the other platforms. So because of that, from day one, we decided to go with the uh, Google Cloud. And again, Google Cloud at that time, I believe they have some kind of incentive for companies like our size, which actually made it even easier decision for us. And we are very glad we have done this. So that was one of the big reasons. The second one, as I mentioned, we are working with countries across the globe. Like, for example, we have a customer in Singapore. I mentioned uh, Switzerland. I mentioned Europe, US, Canada, and so on. And interesting enough, almost every country now have regulations to keep their data within their own country boundary, right? So being able to turn on a data center overnight, right? When I say overnight, I'm talking about maybe less than a week. It's amazing, right? Because that's really important for us, right? The customer is not going to wait for you for two months to you know, get a data center up and running. And again, this is fantastic. And then last but not least, working with Sada and your team, Tony, I think two things really came up. Number one is that they really helped us technically 
how to optimize the system, how to fine tune the system, which is perfect for what we are doing. And two things came out of this, right? Number one, of course, we're now getting better performance out of the Google Cloud. But the second one is the cost. They were able to really help us optimize and reduce our cost to match our needs, right? Before uh, we were using a, a shotgun approach, right? And they came back and they said, no, this is where you need to focus. And that really helped us. So I think those were the decisions. And then last but not least is knock at the wood here. The performance has been fantastic since we have been doing this for the last nine years. We never had any problem being down. We had no issues of people hacking into Google Cloud. We have not heard of this. We have not experienced any of this. And these are all really good things that we take for granted, right? But it's really, really important, right? So uh, those are the top uh, uh, views from my side. Sebastian, I pass it on to you to add more to that. Yeah, so being able to quickly uh, spin up um, an instance wherever it has to be is extremely helpful when you're talking to customers. The, the kinds of customers we have have multiple you know, have, have multiple, have many, many, many sites all over the world. And some have different levels of, of, of uh, local restrictions on data coming, leaving the, their borders than others, right? So being able to quickly adapt and manage that process and quickly turn up a POC um, demonstrates that we can react very quickly and gives us gratitude yeah. that we're reliable. I'm so excited every time I hear about a new location, you know, Poland is opening and or Montreal. So not only respecting um, EU versus US, but like country level or provincial level, you know, regulations are like, no, it needs to be in Quebec, you know, for this customer, you can do that too. Yeah. And, and, and I see that, you know, I don't think anybody is going to intend to have more points of presence or data center locations than Google. Certainly it's just part of their DNA. So we're happy to be on that. And uh, I'm really glad you're also seeing the value in BigQuery. We do feel like it's certainly you know, as far as like the Magic Quadrant's concerned and with Gartner and just in general, one of the superpowers of GCP as far as data, data analytics, uh, data lakes, and et cetera. It's like, it's just such a powerful performant and, and low cost uh, platform. And I'm also glad to hear that my team is, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. I, it's, you're yeah. complimenting them. That it's like what, it's their job. The it's their job to do that. <laughs> Yeah, one other thing I want to add is that uh, we have been working with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security for the last four years now. We have a project with CBP, which is a custom and border protection. And we're also working with a lot of uh, government entities. So another thing which is really interesting when you talk about Google Cloud and so on is the FedRAMP, right? So being able to also host this data in federally regulated, you know, and that's something, again, um, Google Cloud offers. And again, your team introduced us to the right people to have those discussions. So uh, that is also very valuable to us. We can extend the same commercial solution to also now take care of government and some, uh, some you know, secure data. So very important for us. Well, I, I also don't want to minimize, I, I think your team has done, uh, you know, has gone above and beyond, in my opinion, in being able to respond and react to real specific kind of corner case issues that have come up, right? Being able to quickly react when we found some issues with a setup or whatever, and being able to help us navigate the, the, the behemoth that is Google to get to the right people to get some support has been uh, extraordinary. So it's been really great. And, and we've been able to have, you know, happy customers to uh, as a result of it. So for that, I mean, I'm very appreciative. I appreciate that. You know, Sebastian Nader, our success is only possible with your success. 
what's beautiful about this business model in cloud and in the economics of our business is that we really have to be completely obsessed with making you successful for the long term, right? Uh, the more, the more uh, Kiana ramps, the more successful we will be in our relationships, the more the happier Google will be because you'll, you'll be consuming more over time as, as the platform is, is uh, becomes more ubiquitous. So what I also you know, like to hear uh, because we get this question a lot, we have very many customers who come to us who, who are extremely tech savvy, like they're, they're engineering people, they're developers or coders, they know everything about cloud. And they're like, why do we need your, you know, like how, how can you help us? We are brilliant, you know, people from Stevens and Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon, like whatever, whatever. What ends up though, is that because we're so hyper-focused on GCP specifically that there's, and that's all our people do. And they see hundreds of variety of environments is, um, there's, I hope, hopefully, there's almost always something that they can uh, teach your own engineering team that you might you might not have known. Oh, I I agree with you. It's the difference in going to going to an EMT for like you know for a wound versus you know a, an obstetrician or a or a specialist of any type, right? So I think doing that deep dive and having that deep that deep uh, reservoir of knowledge, I think, is really important because, like you said, there's I mean, you've seen many, many more variations on this theme than than any any of us have, right? So being able to know and be able to get that expertise out of you is really helpful. Super proud of that. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you being a SADA customer, partner. Um, I wish you a tremendous amount of success in the years to come. I think we're all even more optimistic now that uh, things are starting to open up. And I can't wait to share this story. And then we're working on another success story together that's even you know, more detailed in terms of how we're documenting our joint success. And uh, I really want to thank you for being my guest on Cloud and Clear. It was so nice to see you both. Thank you, thank Tony. Thank you so Appreciate much, Tony. Thanks for working help. with you. And your support. Bye, John. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.